Hello and welcome to today's podcast. My name is Amber. The website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. For those of you that are new to these podcasts, I'm a Reiki master and a shamanic practitioner. I've been running my own healing practice since 2008. My work is focused on core wound healing, life purpose work, sacred union sessions and transformational calls and readings. The website again is sacredspacehealing.org. Before we go into today's podcast, which is about our top 10 excuses for not healing, I just want to say a thank you to everyone that listens to these podcasts and sends all your emails um, of uh, feedback and gratitude. It's really lovely to receive that feedback. So thank you so much to everyone that takes the time to do that. Your support is, uh, is everything and means so, so much. Um, Some of you have asked how you can support the work and support me because all of these podcasts and YouTube clips are free and done from uh, a space of love. Um, Any help, any donations are very gratefully received and it just goes back into the work. So if you go to the website, which is sacredspacehealing.org, if you click on the, um, the button that says home, There'll be a drop down menu and there's a donation button there and you can donate as much or as little as you feel you would like to. If these podcasts have helped you, if they've inspired you, if they've helped you heal, if they've taken you to the next level in your journey, um, if they've been your solace during a dark night of the soul, then uh, I will gratefully receive any donations that you wish to send my way. It obviously takes a lot of time and energy to create these podcasts and um websites and podcast channels all have to be hosted and that doesn't happen for free so there's there's subscriptions and so on that I pay um, so that I can provide this service to others free of charge so it all helps every little bit helps and thank you very much for your support so today's podcast is top 10 excuses or reasons uh, for not healing really these are our top 10 reasons for running away from our healing and I've I've basically seen the same, I mean, it's it's very interesting. It's like it's the same terminology, the same kind of language that is used to run away from the healing process, um, to run away from committing to the work, to committing to the healing journey, um, and really to committing to transformation. I've come to realize over the years that the transformation and the healing process starts the moment someone comes onto my website. You know, the moment someone visits the website um, and engages with the work, engages with with what I'm offering, there's already a healing process starting for people. And that happens with many healers. You know, I, I've known that happened for myself, that the, the moment I book in for a healing with someone, in the run-up to us meeting, loads of st- sort of uh, stuff will come to the surface. And, and sometimes to such a point that I don't even want to go for the healing because it's so, I feel so intense, like intensely emotional or intensely angry. And then I go for my healing session and the work happens and I realize why. I realize what's coming up. It's all coming into the mix. And um, I'm so grateful to these healers because it, it often shows that that we are working in tandem, you know, that on a higher level, my soul has said yes to this work and, and it's, and it's how it needs to be. It's how it's meant to be. And it is for my highest good. And often with those healers where this doesn't happen, that's a really good indicator that I'm just putting my money into a black hole really. Um, but that's a separate podcast. So, uh, I know that this is how the healing process works for those that engage with my work. 
And then the moment we start interacting with emails, um, setting up appointments and so on, you know, all of that healing work is happening. It's kind of accelerating and stuff is coming up for people to look at resistances, maybe synchronicities, fears and so on. Um, 99.9% of the time, the moment we've set up an appointment and booked in, everything flows and, and we're set to work together, whether it's for the one call or it's for the deeper work. But there is a 0.1% where what tends to happen is, you know, I go away and do a shamanic journey for someone. I create the work for them or the work is created for them in tandem with spirit. Um, and it's offered to them, you know, this is the work that's going to assist you. And it's always beautiful work. I mean, it's always spot on beautiful work. And and again, the, the 0.1% can never say that this isn't spot on. You know, the feedback is this is perfect. It's what I want. It's spot on. And then there'll be a but. And then the but will lead to the following excuses that I'm going to give you. Now, I call them excuses because they don't feel genuine. They feel like fear. And sometimes I confront that with clients. You know, sometimes I say, this is your fear talking. Step through it. And other times I don't. Um, I really only confront clients with that where I feel that it will be received and where I feel that there's great potential for breakthrough. Um, and sometimes that's received very well and and there will be an acknowledgement. This is my fear. Thank you for, for reflecting that to me and showing that to me. And other times it goes horribly wrong and I'm accused of all sorts of things. And again, that's fear. You know, I think when we're very clear in whether we want to do something or not, we either jump in straight away or we say no straight away. But when we um and ah and we get to that point where we have to make a commitment and then we suddenly back off, it's usually fear. Sometimes it can be because it's just not the right thing for us. But I believe that because all of this work is spirit led and that because when the work is created for someone, it is created with such high energy and such high intention and that those that engage in the work see and feel huge changes in their life. I know that over the course of the last 10 years that this work works. So I have 100%, if not 150%, belief in the work. When I see people run away from it, it's usually because they're not ready, because they're scared, or because they're just not prepared to do what it takes to move forward in their lives. And often, those are the people that will go round in circles, they will heal a hop, um, they will attack you know, healers for not having assisted them or doing the wrong thing, and they'll be running away from something that is deep within them that they need to look at. And... Um, and I very much know that my work is about that. It's about showing you, revealing to you that that you're running away from. And it can be uncomfortable, but once we've faced it, it's deeply life transforming and, um, and deeply healing. So I'm going to run you through the excuses and explain to you why I feel that they are excuses. And maybe this will be triggering for you. Great. And maybe it won't. Great also. The number one excuse is I don't have the money. Now, I find this to be very interesting. My website is very transparent. Um, all of the fees are, are laid out there. So I'm not hiding anything. I'm not kind of saying, you know, I don't have uh, one number on the website. And then when people email me, I offer them a completely different number. It's all there. So when someone approaches me and says, I want to do this work, they very much know what they're going to have to pay in order to do the work. Sometimes in a shamanic journey, I'll be given guidance that we we sort of we marry two different programs together. For example, the core wound program with the clearing program, or that we marry um, 
the life purpose program with the clearing program. Sometimes it's about creating a whole new body of work. So it won't just be the life purpose program and the core wound healing program will also be, you know, if I'm working with women, we'll be doing some sacred sexuality work or there'll be something else that we'll be adding in the mix that maybe has never been done before. And sometimes that needs uh, a different rate because we're doing an extra session. So we're not doing the six sessions or the four sessions as laid out, but we're going to do a fifth session or a seventh session. But I'm very transparent about all of that at the start. So it's fascinating that when I'm so transparent about how much something is going to cost, the commitment that's expected, the commitment that I give, that then the answer I get is I don't have the money. Now, the question that I ask is, well, if you didn't have the money, why did you approach me in order to do the work? What did you think that you were going to get out of the experience? So it tells me a few things. It tells me that either that I don't have the money is an excuse. It's not a truth. And I'm going to go into that in a bit more detail. Or it tells me that the, the person that's doing this is actually looking to get something for nothing. And what I mean by that is, yes, when you come on the website, when you engage with me, when you have me do a shamanic journey for you, um, there is a healing already happening. You know, the moment someone does a shamanic journey for someone else, it's like those two energy fields are intertwined. So there is a healing happening the moment someone comes on the website, listens to a podcast, engages. There's already energetically something stirring. Such is the power of the work. And it's like that with, with, with a lot of healers. So I'm not saying that I'm special in any way. Such is the power of the work. And I think some people are kind of addicted to that attention, that slight high that they get the moment they engage with someone's energy field. And basically that's all it is. It's engaging with someone's energy field. So they kind of get their fix. They get their something for nothing. And then when it comes to making a commitment, they say, I don't have the money. That's one of the, possibly one of the reasons, one of one explanation. The thing about saying I don't have the money, which I find fascinating is that again, you know, most people that come onto the website have access to the internet um, roofs over their heads, uh, food in the fridge, warm beds, jobs, even if they're self-employed, they have employment. And I've said this before in other podcasts that I will often hear, I don't have the money. And then somewhere along the line, whether they sign up for the work or they choose not to sign up for the work, um, I get an update or something. And actually what I then end up being told is, oh, I went away on holiday. I bought a house. Um, I went and saw this other healer, I did a workshop, I did a course, um, I went on a spa, I bought a car. So it's not that they don't have the money to invest in the work, it's that they've decided not to invest financially in the work, that they were hoping that somehow miraculously they could do this incredibly transformative, life-changing work, but not actually have to pay the full amount for it because that money is earmarked for something else. And everything in life is about choice. We can choose to go on a holiday or we can choose to see a healer. We can choose to buy a car or we can choose to fix a leaky roof. It's all a choice and no choice is right or wrong. It's just all a choice. Um, and, it, and this isn't about judgment. This is just about shining a light on some top 10 excuses. So it is actually, it's a falsehood to say that. Um, when I do a shamanic journey for someone, I always ask the question, it's implicit in the journey about payment plans and, and their financial situation. And I'm always given, for those that are truly in need, a payment plan or a huge reduction sometimes. But what tends to happen is the guidance I get is this person can afford the work, but they're going to say no. Or this person can afford the work even though they say no. 
And that's normally the truth that plays out, as I'm told, oh, I can't afford the work. And then a week later, they can afford the work. The thing is, there's no such thing as not being able to afford the work. It's all choices. We can choose to turn the heating off for a week. You know, we can choose to um, not get our hair cut. We can choose to not go on holiday. We can choose to budget shop for a month. We can make choices, but we have to say, what is it that I'm prioritizing right now in my life? Um, I've never had anyone contact me who's homeless, um, who's penniless, uh, because that's not the work that I offer. It's, you know, it's there, it's on the website. I do do charity work. And of course that's completely different. It's donation or it's free. Um, so I'm not dealing with people that are destitute and on the street. I'm dealing with people that have roofs over their heads, partners to support them, nine to five jobs, money in the bank, savings. I mean, I've sometimes had people say, you know, I have it. I have the money in savings. I just don't want to use my savings. And yet they're still expecting healing. And that's what is staggering to actually face. Um, I'm expecting a healing. I'm expecting my life to change. I'm expecting transformation, but I'm not prepared to be uncomfortable in order to achieve it. I'm not prepared to make a slight sacrifice. Now, I think the, 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 the topic of money is very triggering. It's very emotive. We have a lot of fear around it. If we spend something, we fear that we'll, you know, we'll waste our money. The money won't come back. The thing is, money is energy. I can hand on heart say over the years, I have spent money on healers that I wish I hadn't spent money on. You know, and this is another podcast topic, and I do raise some of it in Twin Flame, in, in, excuse me, Twin Flame Healer Red Flags, which is a podcast that's out there. But there's another podcast that's due to be delivered at some point, which is about, you know, basically unscrupulous healers. And I've worked with a few unscrupulous healers when I was starting out in my healing journey before I was a healer, you know, when I was trying to like come to, come to terms with myself and my inner world. Healers that just took my money. Um, and I, and I gave it to them because I had so much trust in them. And I look back on those times and I think, God, if I hadn't spent that money, I'd have it in the bank right now. You know, I could have spent it on something else. I could have spent it on something other. I gave my money to those who abused my trust. So I think we're right to have these fears. You know, will we be abused in some way? Will, will our money be just money down the drain? And we have to trust our intuition. But what I'm flagging up is that sometimes it's not intuition. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's resistance to the work. Um, all I can offer to anyone ever is an assurance that I'm not a charlatan and that I'm not going to run off with someone's money, that everything that I charge, I charge uh, as a rate, not based on making millions and stashing it in the bank, but actually it's a rate that needs to be set in order to live in one of the most expensive cities in the world and to have a roof over my head. So it's always about, has always really been just about breaking even. As long as I'm able to do that, then all is well. Um, so I've never charged extortionate rates. I also feel that the, the rates that I charge are, I mean, I feel that the work is priceless. So um, it's about self-worth. So I don't have the money is a common, common excuse. And it really almost always indicates fear for me. I mean, I've sometimes had really wealthy clients say to me, I don't have the money. And then you probe a little bit deeper and it's because they want to go on a holiday. And there's nothing wrong with going on holiday, but at the same breath, they're telling me that their life is stagnant, they're not happy in their marriages, they're, they're not happy in their work, they've got all this stuff that's going on for them. And you think, well, you know, a holiday is a temporary fix for you. You have the money and yet you will not invest it in yourself. And then when I place that mirror and I say, you know, by the way, I think this is fear, I get attacked. 
And then that tells me this is truly fear because we only attack from that kind of wounded place. We don't feel a need to attack when we're in our power. The second excuse is I don't have the time. So I don't have the time. I'm busy with work. I've got a project that I need to finish. I'm going to look at that a bit later. Um, But I don't have the time. My time is malleable. Time is what we make of it. The commitment for some of the deeper programs is 90 minutes every two weeks um, for a duration of either two or three months. 90 minutes every two weeks for a duration of two or three months. I simply do not believe anyone who says to me they do not have 90 minutes to spare every two weeks. So that is a huge red flag that this person is not willing to commit to their healing journey and that they're not able to manage their time effectively to prioritize themselves. And if they're not able to do that, there's no magic wand that healing is going to wave over them and everything will be okay. They have to be willing to put in the work. The third is, I want to see someone in person. So I offer distance healing work now. I used to do in-person sessions. Occasionally I do them and I still uh, obviously do my teaching work in person, but I don't offer in-person healing sessions. There's many, many reasons for that. Um, Some of which are that uh, I have a lot of clients that are abroad and I found that it's much easier for me to engage with um, more people if I'm able to offer uh, Skype or Zoom sessions. So that's one of the main reasons, you know, I was getting a lot of interest from people overseas uh, who obviously can't see me. The other is that um, it means that the work can remain very contained at at a very high vibration and I can offer a lot of flexibility in the time slots that I can offer. I have said this before, I think, in other podcasts um, and video clips, but, you know, having to book rooms and all of that in London is very time consuming Um, and very draining to the whole process and very expensive. You know, when I started out healing, rooms would cost something like between five to 10 pounds an hour. It's probably treble that now, you know, so you're having to add that on top of what you're already asking for. And and that's quite a, a hefty extra. And that's not taking into account the fact that you're traveling to and from the room. So that's your own time that you're donating for free. And the fact that with rooms, you never get the full hour. You get 50 minutes and then there's someone knocking on the door wanting to reuse the room again. You don't always know that the vibration's high, that the room is clean energetically. And I didn't feel that there was much that was happening sitting opposite someone in person that couldn't happen at a much higher level having that conversation. In fact, I found it a distraction. Sometimes clients, often clients were late as they were traveling across London. It just became very laborious. And it seemed like the meeting in person thing was something that we'd outgrown. And that the thing that is at odds with that is that energy work, healing work, you know, it's all energy. Energy doesn't need a location. Energy is not contained in a box. You know, energy is not contained in a space, in a room. It's always flowing. It's always moving. So Reiki healing, shamanic healing, it's all about energy. It's all about intention. And that work can happen whether you are sat in front of someone or you are miles away from them. Um, and, and healers are able to do that and have been able to do that since healing began, since healing was acknowledged. So it makes no sense, really. I think what we're saying when we want to be in a room with someone is that we, we don't trust the healing process. Uh, we don't trust healing. We're wanting our hand held. 
So what we're really wanting in that is is sort of mothering. You know, we're wanting to be hugged. We're wanting to to have eyes that we can look at. Um, we're wanting the, the tactile experience of healing, which is part of the healing process, but actually it's a dilution of the healing process. I think there are times when it does feel very right to have someone in front of you, you know, a face that you can see that responds to your story, that gives you compassion and empathy. Um, you know, with shamanic healings, they can sometimes be very physical. So you get that element of touch. But if we're looking for that, there are other ways that we can get that. We can go for massage or reflexology or, you know, there are other means that we can get that space holding in. Really, for me, energy healing, I would rather it was laser sharp, direct into the point. And that we got there, we we cleared it, we healed it, we took ownership of our story and we were able to move past whatever it is that we were experiencing at this time. So when I hear I want to see someone in person, what I'm hearing is, is I want mothering, I want space holding, I don't trust the healing process, I don't trust someone that I can't see, um, I want to be held, um, I want physical contact, I'm lonely, I want company. Um, for many clients when I started out, people used to see their healing sessions with me like a kind of weekly social. Um, you know, I had clients who would, and I've had lots of different locations where I healed, but you know, clients who would love the journey to where I lived or where I, the rooms that I was using, and they would go for a coffee beforehand. And then sometimes I would be near woodland or greenery. They would just go for a walk near the woods and then they would come to my space. And what they actually really loved about the in-person healing was my space. So they were sort of feeding off, you know, the smells in my space and the colors and the textures and my home or then the rooms that I was using and the candles and the incenses and, and things like that. And again, that was a disempowerment. That was a handing away of power. And I would often say to clients like this, you know, this isn't like getting your nails done. This isn't a spa treatment. That's not what I am providing. I provide something that's a lot more robust and um, a lot more intense and a lot more to the point. Um, and what it became for them was a kind of addiction. Oh, yeah, once a week I do this thing. I go for this healing and it's really lovely and the smells are really nice and I feel warm and cozy there. And and often when I used to heal from my home, clients would kind of have a potter about my bathroom and see what kind of stuff I was using. I mean, it was really more about trying to feel more connected to me because there was something about me that they felt was magical. And I don't, again, don't say that's to elevate myself. I think we all have that with healers. You know, when I go into a healer's home or a treatment room, I love that feeling of walking through the door and there's a candle burning and the, you know, there's a, a warm blanket on the table and I get to sit opposite them and they get me a glass of water or a cup of tea and I feel so looked after and it feels so lovely and nourishing and nurturing. And and that's part of it, you know, that the, the time that I travel there and the time that I travel back, it all feels lovely. It feels a bit like a spa experience, but the most in-depth work that I ever do is when I work with healers uh, remotely and we're just on the phone. You know, sometimes the most intense healings I've had, we're not even d discussing stuff on the phone. They're just kind of tuning in and doing the work and then tuning out again. And I'm, I'm left to have to gather and look after myself for myself, to self-care. And I think often when I hear people say, I want to see someone in person, it's because they haven't learned how to do self-care yet. And they're looking to another to give them uh, indicators of self-care. And I, I, think, I think that's perfectly valid, but there's a danger that it becomes addictive. The next uh, excuse is my guides told me that this is wrong. 
So I think that's, again, very valid. The reason I question it is because when we're starting out, when we're in distress, when we're in disarray, and these are the main times when we seek healers, right? Because we, we're off, we're off, our radar's off, something's off in our lives. Everything's off, including our intuition system, including our connection with our guides. We don't always know when we're off that what we're connecting to is actually our spirit guides. Because there's a lot out there that we can connect to in the astral plane. And when we're not shielded, when we're not cleansing our energy field, when we're not plugged in correctly, when we've experienced trauma, when we've had a difficult time, we can't know that what we're connecting into is actually that that is for our highest good. Because if we were plugged into that which was of our highest good, we wouldn't be scrabbling around looking for a healer in, in dire need. Um, so I, I often question that from those that aren't master healers themselves. I don't know if I'm working with someone that is a healer themselves and they're practicing and they're actively practicing, then it's a good indicator that they're, you know, they're probably at quite a good place in terms of their guidance system, but they still need a little bit of help. But I question it anyway. I question it in myself. You know, when I sometimes when I'm drawn to a healer and then suddenly I get the answer, no, pull away, I question it in myself. Is this true guidance? Is this my fear? Have I picked up on some outside interference? So I question that when I hear that. The next one is, it feels right to do it later on. Next month, six months time, three months time. All that I hear when I hear that is putting off the inevitable, is avoidance. There's no difference between today and next month. Nothing's going to change between today and next month. I mean, payday might change, fair enough. But really, nothing's actually going to massively change in terms of your situation if you leave it as unattended as it is right now. The next one is seeing lots of different healers at the same time. So I sometimes get, oh, I'd love to see you, but I'm also seeing this dietitian, this uh, yoga teacher, this meditation teacher, this guru, this hypnotist, this psychic reader, and um, I don't think I've got the money to see you at this time, or I don't think I have the time. And that just tells me that this person is very scattered in their approach. They haven't actually honed in on what they want. They're healer hopping. They're looking for fixes. There's a bit of addiction going on there. Um, they're looking for nourishment and sus sustenance. Um, they're scattered. Their energies are scattered and too many people are in their energy field. So they can't even get clear guidance anymore. And actually that's a massive red flag to me to not even take on a client like that. But it, it means that we're, we're too spread out. I think at any given time, it is appropriate to work with one or more healers, as long as they are all complementing each other. You know, you can have an energy healer and then a body worker. So you have someone that does, you know, massage, or aromatherapy, reflexology, whatever. They're working on the physical. It's all linked, but they're working on the physical and acupuncturist. And then you go see an energy healer and they're working on the emotional and the spiritual. And the two hopefully work in tandem. But if we've got to be about five different healers on the go, I think there's some questions that we need to ask about. What is it that we're actually seeking? What is it that we're running from? What is it that's not getting addressed? What is it that we're not looking at? Because a healer can only meet us in the place that we're ready to be met at. And if we're constantly running, we can't expect a healer to drag us kicking and screaming into our recovery. The next is, and it ties in with the, the top, what, the number one answer, I don't have the money. Can I get a discount? So 
it ties in with the same thing, really. You know, my fees are very transparent. I offer payment plans. I don't offer concessions because I believe that I've come to realize over time that when concessions are offered, people value the work a lot less. It's just it's something that I've observed. I find it quite interesting. It's not something I've ever done. I've often had concessions from healers who've helped me, which has been wonderful. And I've been so, so grateful for it but I haven't valued them less. You know, I've turned up to appointments on time. I've done the homework. I've, you know, I've had um, uh, complimentary healings as in donation healings and I, I've just never valued it less. But what I've noticed, again, with 99.9% of people is that there's a, there's a lessening of value. Um, people who get concession rate, route, uh, rates tend to turn up late for appointments, not honor the work. And I think it's just because we, in our mind, have suddenly, because we live in a society that is so much about worth and value, you know, it's so much about cost and price, we sort of, on some level, just start to value the work less. So the asking for a discount is, is, another, is another running away. It's another, like, trying to find a reason to not do the work. It's putting up another obstacle. And tied in with that is the next one, which is resenting paying, resenting the time, resenting the process. So it's questioning the process. You know, why do we have to have this many sessions? Or why is it this amount of money that I have to pay? Or why is it only these dates? Or, you know, uh, can we do 10 p.m. on a Sunday? Or can we do 4 a.m. in the morning? You know, it's setting unrealistic, unachievable, disrespectful often um, conditions in order to do the work. And again, that's just running away. Um, we can justify that. We can say, I want to do 10 o'clock on a Sunday night because it's the only time that works for me. But really healing asks that we make sacrifices for what lies on the other side. And therefore we have to want what lies on the other side far more than any temporary discomfort that we may be going through. Uh, and the final one, which is tied in again with, um, my guides told me is the energy has changed. The energy will change because it's always changing and it will change for lots of reasons. And sometimes it changes because something's happened, you know, maybe some interference has come in, the dynamic isn't right. You know, sometimes it's valid to step back and say the energy has changed and just doesn't feel good anymore. But often that is an indicator of fear, of running away, of, um, of change. You know, the energy has changed because we are about to step into change. We're about to do something really big that's going to change our lives. Of course, the energy has changed. Um, and sometimes we mistake excitement for fear. Someone once said to me that fear is excitement without the breath. And I often think that when having needing to make decisions that, are, that feel important, if we can get into our breath, we can actually relax into this, this sensation it's just a sensation. We can label it fear or we can say I'm having a sensation in my body. You know, I'm, f I'm feeling something, but I'm not going to label it and call it fear and then decide that that fear means that I shouldn't sign up for this healing program or that fear means I need to run away from this commitment. We can just say I'm, I'm, I'm having a sensation. So let me allow that sensation to move through my body and see what it does. And it might relax into something else and it might not and it might you know, turn into tears and it might turn into joy. It's just a sensation. So those are my, um, my top 10 reasons or my top 10 list, top 10 chart of, of the excuses that we give when we run away from our healing. I'm sure I've given some of those and I'm sure that sometimes they were valid and other times they weren't, you know, sometimes I've done the, I don't have the money thing. And then I've looked back and I've thought, I wish I'd had that healing at that time because I think it could have really helped me. 
Um, and then other times I've thought, you know what? It wasn't the right time for me to have that healing because there was too much going on. There were too many things that I needed to go through. But it's um, it's rare that that happens. You know, usually it's I can see that I was running away. I can see that I was blinded. I can see that there was so much. You know, I talk about this in the Psychic Attack podcast that there was so much dense energy sometimes that we can't we can't connect to our truth. So I think that if you find yourself, and it doesn't just have to be with me, if you find yourself on the threshold of signing up to a healing program and then you back away, it's worth just going through this checklist and asking yourself, you know, how valid are these reasons that you may be giving to connect back in with your breath, but to also do a bit of a clear, you know, do a bit of an energy clear. And if you don't know how to do an energy clear, maybe that's the first place to go is get someone to assist you with an energy clear. And then from there, from that clearer space, then make your decision about what your next step is. The website, again, is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. If I can assist you in any way, it would be my honor. Until the next time, so it is and so it shall be.